nothing happens without reason and purpose. So I'm saying to you that nothing in our health cannot be changed. It all has purpose and reason. Where you allow your consciousness to go, your health and life will follow. Because everything in your body has been a part of your life. It's a reflection of your life. When you're born, your body is literally your soul consciousness made physical. So everything you experience in life becomes an addendum of change to the physical body, to health, for good or ill. If good things happen, you feel elated. If bad things happen, you, f- you feel like your knees are rubber and you have to sit down. This is the, f- the effect of purposeful communication from spirit through health, telling you what you got to go fix, what you have to change your mind on, what you have to do differently to make spontaneous remission happen. But it's not so spontaneous if you've worked hard at it for weeks or months. So, so I'm telling you that, that healing with purpose is a thing. I have had breast lumps that went from a biopsy that said it was malignant uh, stage two capillary carcinoma. And the, the setup for lumpectomies, right? We had five weeks. In five weeks, I found the reason for the lumps to be there, communicating what they're communicating, helped the woman make the plan for extracting herself from the situation and changing everything. All she had to do was have the plan and just slowly, it was going to take 10 months. She was going to have surgery in five weeks. When they did the surgery and took the lumps out, sent them to the lab, to same lab to be analyzed, the lumps they took out were no longer capillary carcinoma malignant. They were ductal carcinoma, the beginning stage of breast cancer and non-malignant, stage zero. And it was five weeks. So I'm saying to you that nothing in our health cannot be changed. It all has purpose and reason. You have to find the purpose. You have to change how you perceive that purpose to a more benign way, to, to a better understanding, to, to take a different action. To change your mind, even if someone, the perpetrator is, is dead and gone, you can change how you think and believe, and that illness will go to spontaneous remission and leave. It's there with purpose. It's communicating with purpose. It cannot stay if you take the purpose yes. away. It has no spiritual right to be remaining. And that's what medicine calls spontaneous remission. Welcome to another transformative episode of Unleash Thyself. I am Constantine Morun, and today we journey into the world of healing with purpose. Have you ever felt a pain or discomfort and wondered if there was a deeper meaning behind it? I know I have. Imagine the power to not only heal, but to do so with an intent so profound it defies traditional explanations. Our guest, Dr. Richard Leach, has spent 25 years discovering and refining this very power. From a traditional career in corporate America to becoming a healer, Richard's journey is nothing short of awe-inspiring. His work with bioenergy therapy, biosymbiology, and karmic DNA provides a revolutionary lens through which we view health, purpose, and the soul's mission on this planet. In the chaotic hustle and bustle of life, we often find ourselves lost, struggling with health issues and existential dilemmas. Today, with Richard's wisdom, we discover that every ache, every pain has a purpose and a message. Are you ready to decipher what your body and soul are trying to convey? Prepare to be enlightened. In this very first of three parts, we dive into how everything has a reason and purpose, including health. 
we will introduce karmic DNA and biosymbiology and how Richard has helped thousands of people understand themselves and their purpose better and heal from many types of diseases. We will look at real-world examples from his practice, and he will also explain what he believes to be the reason humanity is on this planet. And of course, we'll take a look at what he calls the big secret. The idea that souls are all-powerful, and we as humans don't yet have any idea of this power. And of course, there's going to be so much more we dive into. Now, in part two, we will dive deeper into karmic DNA. We'll look at examples, and we'll look at examples of my chart and my karmic DNA. While in part three, we'll dive much deeper into biosymbiology, and we'll take a look at some common ailments, the body, and how that communicates with us. And of course, before we jump in, if this podcast has been expanding your horizons, do us a favor. Hit that like button, subscribe to Unleash Thyself, and leave us a review or comment. Your support is our fuel, and it helps us continue to bring you game-changing content week after week. Now, let's start this enlightening conversation. Welcome back to Unleash Thyself. I am thrilled to welcome Richard Leach to the show. Richard, we can't wait to hear more about the experiences and insights that have led you to where you are today and your Unleashed moment, the moment you knew you are on your own path to becoming the best version of yourself. Richard, it's such a pleasure to have you with us. Well, thank you for having me on the show. Before I get into how I got to here, I have to share with you what it is that is here. What is here? What is this all about? And frankly, I was pioneering healing with purpose, healing with reason 25 years ago. I've been a quarter century as a full-time practitioner healing people from major maladies, sometimes neurological disorder that has withdrawn. The neurosurgeon is baffled going, I don't know how this can happen. It doesn't happen. We recovered the myelin on the nerves, and that's not possible in neuroscience, but we did it. The man went from daily doses of morphine that didn't completely cut the pain. He would touch a smooth surface and it would be excruciating pain. He walked across the kitchen floor. It felt like rocks, but we recovered the protection on his nerves, the myelin, and it took three years of weekly sessions to figure out what was the purpose? What was this telling him in his life? How is this purposeful to him? What it meant? And literally, we unfolded a whole raft of things that were issues that his body was actually communicating in health. And as we un- unfolded the reason, the real reason behind the issue, the purpose of him having these issues, and, the, and we went back, back, it started as carpal tunnel, and it, it went to migraine headache, and then it went to all of our body pain. And, you know, he, it stepped up. And I was able to look over the stress history to figure out what is this, what is this mirroring? Because everything in your body has been a part of your life. It's a reflection of your life. When you're born, your body is literally your soul consciousness made physical. So everything you experience in life becomes an addendum of change to the physical body, to health, for good or ill. If good things happen, you feel elated. If bad things happen, you, f- you feel like your knees are rubber and you have to sit down. This is the, the effect of purposeful communication from spirit through health, telling you what you got to go fix, what you have to change your mind on, what you have to do differently to make spontaneous remission happen. 
but it's not so spontaneous if you've worked hard at it for weeks or months. So, so I'm telling you that healing with purpose is a thing. And a quarter century ago, 1993-94, this started happening with me to, you know, I'll get into my story. But basically, I started questioning, how is that true? And I was literally drawn into the whole process of realizing that this entire world is with purpose. Nothing happens without reason and purpose. I don't care what it is. It's, it's 9-11. It had reason and purpose. It was orchestrated by spirit with purpose. So. When I say things like this, it's like the whole world is choreographed play of purpose. And we're having these experiences in it purposefully. And if we don't do well, we get a reflection in our body showing how we didn't do well, how we didn't process it, how we didn't work it well. And if we're doing well, my gosh, we slow aging. You know, you've seen people that, that, that look like they're 20 years younger. But then again, there's other people that you meet up with them and go, my God, man, what happened to you? I, you, you shouldn't look this old, you know, you've rapidly aged. This is the effect of purpose in our life. Reflecting in the body is a communication of guidance, spiritual guidance to us about what we need to do and be and think in our life. And I can tell you that there is nothing that cannot be overturned. I have had breast lumps that went from a biopsy that said it was malignant, uh, stage two capillary carcinoma. And the setup for lumpectomies, right? We had five weeks. In five weeks, I found the reason for the lumps to be there, communicating what they were communicating, helped the woman make the plan for extracting herself from the situation and changing everything. All she had to do was have the plan and just slowly, it was going to take 10 months. She was going to have surgery in five weeks. When they did the surgery and took the lumps out, sent them to the lab, to same lab, to be analyzed, the lumps they took out were no longer capillary carcinoma malignant. They were ductal carcinoma, the beginning stage of breast cancer, and non-malignant, stage zero. And it was five weeks. So I'm saying to you that nothing in our health cannot be changed. It all has purpose and reason. You have to find the purpose. You have to change how you perceive that purpose to a more benign way, to, to a better understanding to, to take a different action, to change your mind. Even if the, someone, the perpetrator is, is dead and gone, you can change how you think and believe. And that illness will go to spontaneous remission and leave. It's there with purpose. It's communicating with purpose. It cannot stay if you take the purpose yes. away. It has no spiritual right to be remaining. And that's what medicine calls spontaneous remission. They have no idea. Why did this leave? Well, you know what? It left because they told the person, you're going to have six months to live. And in six months, they're going, we don't understand what happened because we, we didn't do it. But you could live 20 years now. It's gone. It's in remission. And what the person did, instead of going home, curling up in a ball and going, woe is me, they went home and thought, only six months. I have so much I want to do. I'm not going to be with you anymore. I'm not going to go to that job anymore. And they just take a shotgun out and shoot everything that they don't like. And lo and behold, they kill the purpose. And so all of a sudden, the spontaneous remission happens and there's no purpose to communicate anymore. But then you know what can happen. They get the, the, the new lease on life and they go, oh my God, I have to worry about the bills again. I have to go back to work. I have to do that. I have to go back. And next thing you know, cancer's back. They brought the purpose back into their life. They didn't know what they had to change and how to maintain the change afterwards. So that's the work I do now. I help people figure out what is causing this illness, help them 
literally find the reason, help them manifest the change in their whole way of being. Sometimes it's a change in their mind. Sometimes it's a change in how they uh, perceive something in uh, other people. Sometimes it can, it can come down to something so simple as I don't care. Why am I bothering with this? You know, I have a quote of my own that says, where you allow your consciousness to go, your health and life will follow. So this is very important. And, and so this is my opening to tell you, this is where I am. This is what I am. This is what I do. I literally change people's lives and I put them on course because I have accessed, you know, I'll tell you the story in a minute, how I got this information from spirit in a channel. I've accessed how to find your personal purpose in life. I call it karmic DNA. And I can look at your purpose. Constantine, you have six archetypes of consciousness, and each of them have a half a dozen major challenges that become your boot camp for working this life with the purpose, your personal purpose of, of growing the expression of your soul into this dimension. And if you're on track, yes. you're going to be healthy. If you're off track, you're going to get a response in health. I brought in the last quarter century, I've brought specific intellectual properties, personal purpose, and also the purpose and reason of health, the entire body, into being. And it's far more than uh, some people will say, well, that's like Louise Hay with, the, with body meaning. But Louise Hay is in the shallow end of my pool. What I have created with the help of spirit is a, a body of evidence called biosymbology. And it's life symbolic life science that that actually shows us what this meaning is so that we can go looking in the stress history to find out where is this happening? What is this reflecting? And what, finding it is the hard part. You know, you go to the doctor, half the time the doctor said, well, this is stress related. Well, thanks, doc. That in a dollar and a half will get me a coffee. Which stress? You know, I got a million. So I've made it my life's work to figure out which stress will bother you, Constantine, as opposed to your, your sister, your brother, your mother, your friend, right? And I, I know what will stress you because I can see your karmic DNA. I see what your challenges are. And then what your health is telling me in certain symptoms, in certain kinds of ways, in certain body areas, it tells me what it's upset about. This is how I narrow down to figure out where this come from and where do we look in your stress history to find it? Hey, it's Constantine here. And I want to take a brief moment to truly thank you for being a part of this incredible journey of transformation. You are the reason we are creating this content. I see you and I appreciate you. Your support truly means the world to me. I want to ask you for a small favor. I'd love for you to join our mission by hitting like, subscribe, or leaving a thoughtful comment or review. Your engagement helps others discover these insights and together we can continue to unlock the power of authenticity and personal transformation. And if you want to reach out directly to me, send me an email at constantine at unleashedthyself.com. I value any and all feedback. Thank you for being a part of this movement. Now, back to the episode. So that's a big overview of how and what I'm up to, right? There is no illness that cannot be overturned. There is nothing spirit cannot overturn if there's purpose. If you don't heed it, if you don't figure it out, if you don't change the purpose, you're stuck with it because it's there to slap you up the side of the head and say, hey, you know, do this differently. And you're like, I don't know what differently. And I shine the light. And it, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes sometimes weeks. It, it took three years to, to f help that fellow with demyelinating polyneuropathy in his limbs. 
Okay. It took three years of weekly sessions at first twice a week for a while. But the idea is that it, you're on a safari, you know, it doesn't happen quick. You, you, you have to figure out what's this person all about? What has happened to them? What's the body saying? And you, it's big analysis. This isn't just, Ooh, it's not psychic. You know, this is real stuff. So this is what I do. And now you, your first question to me yes. is like, how did you unleash the best part of yourself? Well, I have to tell you, Constantine, this is this is a long story, but I'll try and make it briefer. But I'll tell you that we all operate in a cycle of life. It's like almost a 10-year cycle. And the last year is called fallow. It's the harvest of wisdom, right? It's the fallow season. If you know farming, fallow means where they leave a field unplanted to rejuvenate the soil, Right. Well, this last year of a 10-year cycle is the, the time you're rejuvenating the soul drive into your life. And you're given the illusion that something terrible is wrong somewhere and you don't know what it is. For a whole year, you're thinking, what is it? Something's wrong. I don't know. What, is it her? Is it him? Is it my job? Is it this? Is it that? You're turning over every rock trying to figure out, what's wrong? Something's wrong. And it's an illusion. Why? Because spirit has to wake you up Nobody's going to go taking stock of their life if everything's happy and hunky-dory and partying on Saturday. No, you got to get down and dirty and think something's wrong to be hunting. And so you get this feeling something's wrong. And after the year is up, the feeling goes away. But you've harvested wisdom of everything that's ever happened before. You've brought it to the fore and you started to make decisions and changes. And that's where I was. I was in the harvest of wisdom cycle. And everything seemed black and wrong. And a lot of things were wrong. I did find things were wrong. And at the end of it, I actually separated from my marriage. The 17 years. And didn't find out the real reason why was she was embezzling my company for years. Skimming, right? As a bookkeeper. I don't know why she was doing that. She could have anything she wanted. Just say so. You know, I'd say, make your check bigger. There was no reason. But in karmic DNA, I found a reason. The reason was that she had to experience independence and dependence both in order to manifest interdependence in her life. It was part of her agenda. So she was never going to find it. She was dependent on family. Then she got married to get out of there. And she was dependent on husband for 10 years. I met her. She was dependent on friends for a year. And then she was dependent on me for 17 years while I raised her children. And what happened with this? You know, I mean, she could have gone, we could have gone on to the end of time. We were okay. But she had to sabotage the relationship because she needed spiritually to experience independence and never had. She had to blast out of this. It's, this wasn't crime. This was spiritual reason. She had to blast out of this marriage to force her out to find independence and then manifest independent injury. So this is what was going on in my life at the time. I was processing everything in my life, thinking something's wrong somewhere. And then all of a sudden, supernatural things started to happen. It, it, I'll make a long story short, but I was at a business meeting, kicking off a new package launch for a major corporation. And it was luncheon. And the converters were there. The, 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 the design team was there. The film people, everybody was there having a luncheon to kick off this new project. And the woman sitting across the table from me, at the end of it all, the clients have left and a lot of people are, I was you know, finishing our coffee and she leans over the table. She says, 
what do you think about psychic phenomenon? I said, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a big believer, not a big disbeliever. Why? And she said, well, I don't normally open this topic with somebody I don't know, but I'm compelled to open with you because I, I don't want to go nasty. Please, I don't want to go nasty. I said, I'm not nasty. We're not alone here today. I looked around the restaurant and went, yeah. Well, no, you don't understand. There is someone in the other side, an entity in the other side wants to communicate with you and they won't leave me alone this whole lunchtime. I said, really? She says, I've been a psychic and trans channel since I was 13 years old. She's a middle-aged woman. She said, this is powerful and I'm supposed to tell you. What are you going to tell me? So she describes the entity. She describes perfectly my eldest brother. He passed away nine months before. And then she describes perfectly the, what, how he died. He asphyxiated in a heat wave. He wasn't well. And then she quoted him verbatim from the very last conversation he and I had in a closed hospital room. Nobody in the world knew the content of the conversation, not even my mother. She was like right on the money, his entire opinion. And it wasn't a few phrases. It was the whole, the whole nine yards. And I was sitting there going, home. And she said, he wants you to, she wants you to have his watch. And I was processing, I'm thinking, I'm not going to ask his boys. His boys are 18. I'm not going to ask his boys for anything like his watch. That's not right. And then she goes, wide-eyed. She says, he has a terrible temper. He's very angry. I've said this wrong. Oh, he wants you to watch it. Oh, that's ominous. Watch what? And she's, I'm getting a vision. I'm following six divers. She's never been to the ocean. I'm following six divers. It's like watching Jack Cousteau documentary. I'm following six divers and they're going in a cave and uh oh, things are falling. Things are crumbling. The cave is collapsing. And, and oh my gosh, one of the divers is face down and he's not moving. I think he's dead. And the other diver describes him perfectly. He's trying to dig the way out where they came. And she did, she described perfectly a guy named Richard Custer from New Jersey. See, I had a timeshare in Grand Cayman. Same week, hanging out with the same crowd on the same dive boat, year in, year out, right? I know Richard. And she described him. He was digging the way out. Then she described the dead diver. He's face down. She described all the equipment that I own, including a beige t-shirt that said Underwater Canada on the front, but she couldn't see the front. But I have a half a dozen of those t-shirts in my dive bag, and I always dive with the beige t-shirt. I'm telling you, my knees were rubbery. I couldn't stand. She's just giving me a vision of my death within six months. This was in June. I was going to be in Pirates Week and came in at the end of October. And she said, don't go in any caves. I said, this boy isn't going in any caves. But this, that's the, the short answer. There's more. There's more follow-up. I could tell the story longer. I don't want to take the time. But basically, this, this unlocked, unlocked the skeptic in me going, how can this be? How can that be? And those things actually, she premised those things actually happened, but we were not in the cave. The day after it happened in the Cayman Compass newspaper, front page story, the island shook. Cayman Island is the top of a 6,000 foot mountain, underwater mountain. And it shook with tremors and the cave collapsed, but we weren't there. Now, all of a sudden I'm going, how is this real? How is, how does this happen? And I'm asking her, how do you do this? She says, I really don't know. I think this, I think that, you know, I'll tell you for the summer I went and I saw, I think like, I, like a nine different psychics and I let them talk of their spiel. 
right? <laughs> I had the first one, she took me to a second one to corroborate that I changed my mind. I won't be, I won't be in the diving accident, right? But after that, I would let them do their spiel. I was like, yeah, I've heard this before. And I, at the end, I would say, I want to ask you some questions. I would ask them about what they, how they thought that they did this, how this worked and how that worked. And how they, I mean, I was the pedestrian in the psychic world. And that started me being the seeker to find out how, why, what's the purpose of these things? How can this be a part of our real life? And that started it. That's how I got sucked in. And I ended up with a PhD in metaphysics. And, and I got my thesis for my work in biosymbology. I, I got my PhD for the thesis on biosymbology, life symbolic life science. What is the body telling us? And so uh, it, it, it's been a journey. I mean, I'm, I'm over a quarter century in practice, full-time practice. I left my lucrative career in design behind to help people. And, and I guess you could say that's the best part of myself, that I've been helping people for a long time, for over a quarter century, and, and very effectively. So that's what started it. That's how I got into it. It's, it sent me on this search for purpose. And I found the wrongs in my marriage and we broke. I was living in a big house with a dog and had lots of time to think. You can only be closest to spirit in solitude. So I had lots of solitude and I wandered around the house thinking, how does that work? How does this work? What is that? How could that be purposeful? What is that? What is this? I was asking really stupid, simple little questions, but I started to channel. Wide awake channel off and on for 14 months. And what I got was the answer to my questions, the big picture answer. How does the world work? How does this operate in bioenergy? How does this all come to be? And how, what's it all for? What is the purpose? And I learned things in channel that I can't prove. But on the other hand, there's more logic and reason to, to the things that I learned than most of the ideas out there. I would tell you that the search for purpose is about the very reason humanity is on this planet today. The very reason we are here is a purposeful reason. And it's written as a charge to humanity on the first page of Genesis in the Bible. It says, go forth and subdue the earth. It doesn't say go forth and multiply. Go forth and subdue the earth. What does that even mean to simple man, humans, souls? incarnate here to do energy work on this globe, to transform the energy of the globe from dense negativity to positive polarity. Why? Because spirit, we realized that there was this growing entity of negativity, ball of energy. And if left unarrested, it would overtake our home. It would overtake what we call heaven, the other dimension. We are positive polarity beings. Each and every human, no matter what they've done wrong, each and every human is a positive polarity being. I mean, I can just imagine Hitler waking up after death going, my God, what have I just done? You know, like, because we're here in illusion. So, so as I say these things, I'm telling you that we're here changing the world. How are we changing the world? With metaphysics. We're changing the world. Well, we started in Atlantis and we had full power of consciousness to overcome the negativity but we didn't use it properly. Tell me, would you walk through the fire if you could just yeah, blink not. and wave it off? Oh, no, I'm not. <laughs> I don't want to face that music. You know, so in Atlantis, we had the power of consciousness over physics where we could have 
easily taken down in negativity, but we didn't overturn the negativity. And so it had to stop. In, in, the, in the first chapter of Genesis, it talks about the creation of the world, but there's two creation stories and nobody notices. They read it all together, all as one. In the second chapter, verse three or four, all of a sudden it says, and there's nothing and there's a mist and there's nothing. And they start creating again. That was the break between Atlantis, closing Atlantis and starting again now for this work we're doing, because we had to start differently. We had to take away our ability of higher consciousness to make it easy. We had to dumb down humans so that we had to confront things with our meager strength and reach because we wouldn't confront them with our power. Doesn't mean we don't have the power. We just don't know about it. Now we're talking about the secret. The secret is the fact that souls are all powerful, all knowing pieces of God in drag as humans, and they have no idea of their power. And so, so this is very important for us to, we're at the stage now where we can wake. But for all these years, we couldn't wake too soon. And that was also in Genesis. It said, don't eat of the tree of knowledge or you too will become as gods. Well, we were gods in Atlantis and we didn't do it well. We didn't do the job. We languished. We, we were, you know, enraptured by sensitivity. You think your non-physical energy being all of a sudden with a physical body that has senses and feelings and touch, and you're not going to go, whoa, this is so cool, right? And get distracted from the job of taking down the negativity. You get distracted, seduced to sensation. What is the parable of Eden? Tell me. The parable of Eden is we're distracted to not do what we came to do, to not do as we're told. And the, the parable of Eden is a story about Atlantis and how it had to close for us to dumb down and confront negativity the old-fashioned, the, the physical, material way. So I'm going to tell you how we do it. We've been doing it for thousands of years on autopilot. I walk into my kitchen. All of a sudden, I look, and there's a grease fire on the stove. And it's lapping up the side of the wall. It's going to take the cupboards. And I go, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I run in, I get the baking soda out of the fridge, and I go, and I smothered baking soda, and I, I squelched the flame. What did I just do? I just materially made quantum mechanics happen. Because whose energy is this fire? Is this my mother-in-law? Is this my ex? It's not my dog. I wouldn't do it. Whose energy is this that could take the house? Well, elemental energy has no conscious awareness, and it has no intention. It's just raw conscious energy. I can tell you why it's like that, but that we won't digress. What we're going to say is that it erupted because of the environmental negativity. And it was ready to take the house. Fire will cook your dinner. It will take the house. It doesn't care. Right? So, so what happens is I come in and I have, well, let's say the fire is graphically a triangle spinning. That's easy to think of. And I come in the room. I go, oh, my God. I get the box square a square, and I throw the baking soda at the triangle. So it's the square and the triangle morph together and become a seven-point star, positive polarity energy. I have just transformed one particle of negative energy to positive. And you know what? There is no consciousness in this entire world that can change it back because we're positive polarity beings. So we've been toiling the hard way, confronting negativity. It's our job. Go forth and subdue the earth. Go forth and transform the negative energy particles of the earth into positive polarity. That's our job. 
That's why humanity is here. And we have been doing this diligently for thousands of years. And interestingly enough, we're winning. We're winning so much that we're now over the hump. We're in positive polarity momentum. And so as I say these things, I know that at first it's going to sound strange. At first it's going to sound questionable. But the more you take it in, the more you saturate and you think about it, you think, damn, there's logic and reason in all of that, right? We could not, from spirit, we could not confront the negative ball of energy. Why? What happens when you cross two terminals on a battery? We're positive polarity beings. We got to do something with the negativity. We had to compress that negative energy, bam, in its slowest vibrational state of matter. We had to compress it to matter in order to be able to infiltrate here in the back door and confront negativity with matter solution. So, so positive polarity beings could be here and deal with it without the fizzorch of the battery terminal. So you're looking at it going, oh man, this is all coming together. Like we're doing the big job. And I don't care whether you're black, white, red, blue. It doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter your gender. We're all here doing the same job. Some of us are wearing black hats and we're stirring up the pot, making something horrible erupt. And I, those of us wearing white hats come charging in with the solution and we change the particle energy and we're doing the job. And then we throw the black hats in jail because they're obviously bad dudes. But now you're starting to see my view of purpose and reason where it's not about right, wrong. It's not about race, color. It's not about gender. It's not about, it's not about all these things that we materially process. It's about we're all doing a work. Have you ever thought, why are we rubberneckers on the highway? You got to slow down. You do it. I don't care who you are. You point the finger and you say, you do it. We all do it. We slow down. We're, we're craning our neck over the guardrail going, I can't even get over there. But God, is there? why are we doing that? It's our job to confront negativity. We're drawn to it like moths to a lamp. We're drawn to the negativity. And the only thing in our back of our mind is like, what do I got to do? Something I got to do. And I can't even crawl over the guardrail. And I got this big car. I, can't, I just have to keep going. But but, 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 but I'm sure I'm supposed to be doing something about this. We're here to confront negativity particle at a time and flip it to positive with a solution, a physical material solution. And we are winning. If you read the book of Revelations, you'll find that there are seven different possibilities for the end times. And only one of them is dissolution. We were so slow out of the gate that we were in the 11th hour before we, we got achievement, we got graduation. But the bottom line is we did get over the hump in time. In 1987, science recognized there was something in the atmosphere weird, energy-wise, and they called it harmonic convergence. You'll see this in sci-fi shows, the X-Files. You, you know, they, they use these words. They don't know what the hell it is. Harmonic convergence was spirit pulling the energy of the earth to see if we were ready for graduation to the new millennium. And we were. That means Nostradamus, Ezekiel, Merlin all prophesied that the end of the world would be there and they were wrong because we changed it. The future is a moving target. The future is a moving target according to human consciousness that decides what the future will be. And so we did all the work and we graduated into this millennium. The old millennium was a construct, an energy construct based in conflict and surrender. And from 1990 to 2002, we witnessed huge atmospheric upheaval, flooding on every continent, sandbagging in Winnipeg, in the Midwest, in the US, we're, we're flooding in the Europe, 
every that 1990s was flooding everywhere. Well, guess what? It was exactly the same shift they did to the w- world as Noah that that took all of the, the the humans down because the humans before Noah were not getting a trickle of enlightenment to make them want to confront negativity and weren't doing the job again. So instead of obliterating everything, they just took the humans off and shifted the energy so that we got a trickle of enlightenment getting to us that kept us going. We got to fix this. We got to change this. We got to do positive. So I'm saying all this story because I want you to understand the very root of why our health communicates to us with symptoms, symbols, symbolically communicating to us about the life we're living, you know, telling us very often, go back and make that last left turn a right turn because you're wrong. And so, so the story isn't just one of, you know, rewriting, rewriting religion. All religions were needed at the time that they were conceived because, you know, we were very illiterate and we needed to be trained to, to go in the right direction. But what's happening now is a lot of people leaving religion because they're finding their own spirituality and that's okay. Isn't that prophesied by Jesus? By Buddha, Muhammad, they all said, you know, like find spirit within. And you know what? It took us 2000 bloody years, but we're finding it within. We're getting it. And we're getting it at the time that we're supposed to start waking up to who we really are. You're going to see before the end of this millennium, you're going to see humans walking the earth, fully knowing the power of their soul. It's coming. So as I said, I I had this channel of off and on for 14 months, I was asking simpleton questions and I was getting these big answers. How does this work? Why does that work? What is this? How does, and I, I mean, believe me, the skeptic in here had to get the grassroots, had to understand why purpose is such a big deal before it would buy it. Right. And it made so much sense. And then I started seeing purpose in my life, purpose in everybody's life, you know, purpose in the reason I shouldn't be so materially angry at my embezzling wife. Because she was following her nose, doing what she needed to do to find the spiritual right in her, pers- in her per- personal life. And it doesn't matter what we do here to each other. You know, nothing can harm the soul here. Zero. Nothing. You know, people are walking around saying, oh, you're hurting the soul. You know, you do this, you do that, you're hurting the soul. Nothing bothers the soul. The soul, you know what? It's like Edgar Casey said, the soul owns the body. The body is a ship. It has all the workings, mechanics of a sailing ship, of a tanker, a vessel. It has communication, it has oil pumps, it has hydraulics, it has all this stuff in it. And it's a way at sea. And the conscious mind is the captain making decisions on behalf of the owner, the soul. And they can't talk, right? But they can get Morse code through health, right? They get communication from spirits through health. Don't do it that way. Do this way. Go change that, right? But are we listening? We haven't been listening. And so I've been bringing this to humanity, that purpose is big, purpose is important. I can tell you your purpose. I can tell you, Constantine, that your biggest challenge, and it's exaggerated challenge, is confidence. And I can remember that 100%, Richard. I'm, I'm looking at your chart. And so I look down and I can see all of your challenges, and I'm going, wow. And the second biggest challenge is going to be trust. So... Interestingly enough, I have the, and this isn't done. This chart isn't made from psychic. I didn't go, I'm going to think about Bogdan and write it down. No, this is done with mathematics. And this 
I got confirmation embedded in our oldest scriptures. It's there and nobody's realizing its purpose is to outline purpose. Nobody is using it. I brought it forward because knowing your purpose gives you a leg up on figuring out what the hell's going wrong with your life. It not only enables you to go back and change the things that have gone wrong in your ways, in your perceptions, but it also enables you to see the new things coming on the horizon go, oh, I know what you are and I know the answer. I know this challenge. I'm not dumb like I was, you know, as a child. I'm, I know this challenge and I know the answer. And, I, and when I start doing the answers the way they're supposed to be, I find the path of ease in my life. And my dad, God rest his soul, all I can remember, all he wanted to do was find easy street. Life was so hard. And so, you know, this is the path to ease, to know your spiritual life so well. And, you know, purpose in life, people think purpose is some destiny. It's what I'm supposed to do. It's a vocation. It's my contribution, what I'm doing. This is my purpose. No, 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 no. You know, that's the, the mulch. That's the fodder. That's that. what you do in life is what occurs while you learn to master your purpose. And your purpose isn't about materialism. It isn't about achievement. All of the purposes in your karmic DNA, they are not physical. They're like Chinese puzzles. And only you know you have them. Like I, un I uncovered one a minute ago. I said, your biggest challenge is confidence. And you went, oh, yeah, you know, that, that, that I've lived with this my life, yes. right? Yes. And there are answers to this challenge that you need to know. And so this is what I teach people. I teach people what their life is about, what the challenges are, how to recognize them, and what to do with them when they come. And this is challenges that are consciousness challenges. You can't hold confidence up and say, see there, there's a confidence. You can't hold up sensitivity. You can't hold up self-doubt, trust, openness. You can't hold up balance and cooperation. I'm reading your chart and I'm saying these are the challenges I know are inside, inside you, Constantine. And you can't hold any of them up. They're, they're consciousness. The soul is a non-physical consciousness being. Would it write challenges that are physical? Material challenge? Really? It doesn't give a hoot about materialism. Materialism there is just part of the deal for us to master these inner worth things, to grow the expression of our soul into this dimension. And when we do that, we get long life, we get health, we get abundance, we, everything starts to roll smooth if we're doing the, those challenges right. And it doesn't matter what you're going to do, right? It doesn't matter whether you choose to be the bricklayer or you choose to be the podcast guy, you know, it doesn't matter. But I'll tell you that your archetypes of consciousness will guide you to who you need to be. For instance, you're doing this podcast. It's about, you know, spiritual things. Well, let's look at that. Who is Constantine? Just a quick overview. Yeah. You're innovative, a pioneer, right? So you're fascinated by the new edge, the new thing. And your reflection is a master philosopher, problem solver. It's a mystical seer that thinks outside the box. And your insight is a deep feeling sense of other people as a psychic counselor, confidant, diplomat, peacemaker. This is where you feel others, what they are, who they are. It enables you to ask them questions. I know I haven't let you say any questions yet, but, you know, I'm on a roll. But the thing is, that this is where you're you in tune to somebody and you feel them and you just know the next thing to ask because 
It's you. It's your intuition ability to, that you're drawing on. And then you have illumination, which is a natural caregiver. It's a wise sage, a bringer of the wisdom from spirit. You have a direct connection to spirit to bring wisdom yourself, although you probably haven't found it yet. You know, I mean, I didn't find it until spirit hit me over the head with it. And then down in the bottom, you have power, which is a business acumen, a technical acumen. You know, so, so you have management skills, which that's the only thing that here isn't all that spiritual. The next one is on the list is optimism, artist, author, performer, a deep feeling sense that wants to uplift and inspire everyone. Yeah, man. Doesn't that pretty much sum up what you do? More so now later in life. Absolutely, Richard. And yes, <laughs> this has been the longest I've gone on a podcast without saying a whole lot. And that's because, I mean, I'm just fascinated about your story for the audience. If you made it this far, of course, Richard and I, it's not the first time we chat. I was introduced to his work over a decade ago when I was young and I didn't know any better, but I was fascinated from those days. And then more recently, I got to work with him a bit and I got to understand all this. And of course, all of this information he was sharing, I didn't even know. And this is, oh my God, it blows my mind. And honestly, when I tell the story of the psychic and the story of purpose, I, I was having chills go down my body. It's like you were speaking the truth and I, I could feel it, like feel it. And I don't know. That's not something you get every day. Yes. Well, I, I, I understand because in each of us, it, whether we can find that depth in, if it, no matter if anyone can find the depth, the truth is in there. It's inside them. It's written in their cellular structure. So when I got this from spirit and I'm able to share this broad overview, it has the same effect on a lot of people because quite frankly, it just resonates inside them and, and makes them think, oh, that's, yeah. I don't know how, I don't know why, I don't know where, but somehow I know that's, yeah, <laughs> you know? So, so yeah, it's, it's phenomenal because it's really the truth of humanity, the truth of why we're here and how it all works. So let me ask you this, Richard, then, because you said 14 months of thinking and getting these downloads, this information from spirit. But I know from previous conversations you and I have talked about, it took you quite a bit of time to wrap your head about everything, put your thoughts down, try it on yourself before you even went and seek to to help others. Can you talk a bit about that stage? And it's yep. an understanding of, yeah, this just doesn't happen overnight. There's something that's talked about in A Course of Miracles that we get in our own way. And I can tell you that when I first got the 14-month download, and I know it was 14 months because the psychic that I met at the lunch I re-met her and had a chat with her 14 months later. And she sat back in her chair and went, who are you? I said, I'm Richard, the same Richard. Like, what are you talking about? And she said, you're speaking like you've been in this work for 40 years. And I said, well, I have had help. <laughs> you know, the big guy upstairs has been feeding me information for 14 months. So I know it was 14 months because it was that time frame and I had this big picture and I was conversing with her on a level that she remembered the pedestrian guy asking dumb questions. And now I'm telling her things she doesn't know. And so, yeah, that that was an awakening. But I can tell you that there was quite a period of proving, you know, because, I mean, I, I was in my own way. I mean, I really figured, you know, you remember there's still a skeptical guy in here, right? And the skeptical part of me is going, don't tell anybody. Wait. They're going to call the people in the white coats with the Thorazine. You know, a long life up to that point, right? 
without any of this. And all of a sudden, this comes in your life. You have to be skeptical. I can't even see a different way. Well, I'll tell you, I, my skepticism waned about a month in, three weeks, six weeks in, because all of a sudden I sat back and I was like, well, first of all, I was getting things and I was getting them wide awake channel. I was getting, and when I say wide awake channel, it's like conjuring up the memory of your 18th birthday or your 21st birthday, whatever it was when you went out and had the drinking party, right? That's memorable. You conjure that memory up. You, you remember who was there. You remember that uh, your best friend fell in the fountain and, you know, like, you know, we all got so blasted and wasted and you, you did this and did that. And, you know, wh who gave you what, you know, when you call up that birthday, it's a memory package, right? And you can sort of wander around all the memories for a while and think, oh, yeah, I remember that and remember this and remember that and remember this. It was all about this memory package because you conjured up that birthday. You got the whole package. And that's what I was getting in Wide Awake Channel. It was like memory packages, but they weren't mine. <laughs> I didn't know anything about the world. I didn't know anything about energy. I didn't know anything about anything. I didn't know anything about spirit. I was a novice. And so after a few weeks, I was like, where is this coming from? Please don't be the devil. And I got a very short package that said, open the book. What book? It took me two weeks to figure out, to get the Bible off the shelf and open the Bible. And I did. I opened the Bible arbitrarily to a page and my eyes fell on Matthew 7, 7 and 8. I can't tell you the exact words, even though I told them so many times. Seeking ye shall find, asking you be answered, knocking it'll be brought unto you. Or asking it'll be brought unto you, seeking you. You know, you got the one. But this is the epitome of our psychic connection to the other side. This is channel. If it ain't here already and you need it and you want it, you, you start thinking the questions and spirit delivers, but only in solitude. You can't hear it if there's too much going on. And that was the key. I had so much going in upheaval in my life and I was living by myself with a dog in the house. And all I was doing was thinking in the, in the quiet. and. I started getting these packages. And what, you talk about skepticism. Yeah, I was skeptical. I would get something today and, and tomorrow I'd wake up going, oh, that's my imagination. That's crazy. How could that be real? And next thing you know, I'm sitting there working on the computer and the TV's going and it's Discovery Channel. And all of a sudden they're going, what? If that's true, what I got last night is true. You think that wasn't divine intervention? answering my skepticism saying hey check this out these scientists know <laughs> you know it's like and so i had a lot of that happen i even had an envelope one day come a white envelope a nine by twelve envelope and then i opened it up it was no return address or anything there was stuff in the envelope that corroborated what i got two days ago in the channel and I don't, I don't know where it came from how does one explain that you can't explain it except i can tell you this that this dimension actually operates on math base six. Our heaven, the other dimension, operates on math base 12. Okay, think about it. 12 disciples, 12 inches to a ruler, 12, 12 is all over the place, right? Math base 12, the other dimension, influencing this dimension. The common denominator is three, the divine trilogy. So through that common denominator, anything in math base six environment can be overturned by math base 12. Nothing is sacred here. Because spirit can overturn anything. All it has to have is purpose. It has the right reason. If they're not the right reason, you can get sick and die. If you change, if you take the reason away, you'll get healthy and live on. So 
So as I say, the skepticism, by 14 months, the skepticism was kind of gone. The fear of other people was deeply entrenched. Because seriously, I thought if I started talking about the things that I'm talking to you about today, they would cart me away. They'd give me an ejection and take me and lock me away, you know? And so I was in the closet as a spiritual guy, right? And I was hesitant to tell certain people, right? And I, I remember telling this one woman that I, I knew, and she sent me a letter and she said, look, if these guys are starting a new magazine, they seem to be interested in what you could talk about. Why don't you write for them? So I, it was like eight pages, you know, like ditto, right? <laughs> it was a startup, really basic startup. And I thought, yeah, okay, I'll write for them. So I started writing. And I, I started, and I was like, no, I can't start there. You got to back up. You got to start here. You know, oh, you got to back up. Start, start here. By the time I was done telling the story that made sense to them, there was four chapters, okay? And the magazine didn't go off the ground. So it was prompting me to, to solidify this whole thoughts. And that became the first four chapters of The Awakening Journey, the first book. So interesting that I say this to you because the skepticism was gone because I kept getting more and more corroboration, but the fear of other people believing in me, you know, and not ridiculing me, you know, I have the originality code that you have. That fear of confidence is real because originality is a pioneering inventor. You're here. I'm here to bring something brand new to the world and guess what the world doesn't want change. And so you're going to bring your brand new thing, whatever it is, and you're going to get shot and ridiculed. You know, you bring the paint roller to the painters going, what an idiot, paint on a wall with a roll. They're going to criticize your next new thing because that's your job to bring the next new thing. But your confidence is your Achilles heel that you have to walk through the confidence with false bravado to get there, to believe in yourself, to believe in your thing. And then you get the abundance. You have to master the challenge. So I'm dealing with that same challenge and I'm bringing all of this and it's like, are you kidding me? You know, so, so, so this is, this was a lot of fear and it literally took, well, I started this in 93, 14 months is over a year. So let's say 94, 95, it took me to 96 to actually brave the new world. And by 96, I had written The Awakening Journey, and it had solidified my belief and my thought, and I had something to stand on. And, and I printed at Kinko's 150 copies to get some feedback, right? And, and it was a tiny type, eight and a half, 11 pages. I'm telling you, this was a tomb. This was like war and peace. But I had lots of good people, good accolades, and I had a lot of people going, yeah, I don't know. You know, you cross section, you got believers, you got disbelievers, you know. I'll tell you one thing that was fascinating. I, I came to this and thought, I, my calling is I need, to, I want to write. I want to bring more of this. I want to help people. And so I had to leave my profession, a lucrative profession, and start this up. And, and, and actually what was going on was I was as eating my resources and charging very little because each time I worked with somebody, it was like testing me. It was like, you know, is it going to work? And oh, it worked. You know, so, so, you know, I was working my way up to confidence and, and, and so it, it wasn't until like 96 that I actually started practicing and I was practicing as much as I could, but, you know, how do you get, you know, three customers, three clients a week isn't a practice yet. You know, like you, you need 
people to make this a, a, a practice. But the idea was that each person I worked with, each success I had made me stand taller. It made me believe better. It made me stronger in my, in my conviction. And, and then I started doing shows, psychic shows, health shows. And I had people come up and, and arguing with me. It was critical. They were crushing me. And I had to learn to walk with false bravado in my confidence. And I remember one time I just had enough of this berating. And I said, wait, wait a minute, how much did you pay to come in the show? $10. I said, really? I paid over $800 to be here to talk to the people. You're here to listen. Please move on. You know, And that was when I knew my confidence was ready to really talk to the world. But still in all, another 10 years went by helping people. I, I stayed under the ra radar. I stayed under the radar because I was still worried, you know, like there's, there's these websites that hang people out to dry and they ridicule from a great height. I don't want to be the subject of that, you know. So I still, I was doing shows. I was being public. I was, I was helping people. I was doing like, you know, a thousand people a year. And, you know, so as things were, were going along, it was growing, it was getting better. I was getting stronger. And, you know, so it took a long time for me to come to grips with, okay, I've got all the ducks in a row, right? I had to finish volume one of biosymbology. I had to finish outlining karmic DNA. And when I got those two intellectual properties complete enough, that's when I decided to do the course, right? Well, I did the course the first time and I had four people, 26 people wanted to learn what I did, right? And I sent them all a mail, snail mail with what the courses would be about and how long it would be. Only four, only six people responded. Only four people started the course and only one finished because it was like 40 weeks. I'm not teaching how to run energy. This isn't a weekender. Right? This isn't something you add to your bag of tricks. This is the whole enchilada. This is understanding everything that I know to the degree I know it, so you too can stand at a show and be strong and confident and not get ridiculed. Right? I, wanted, I needed to build practitioners with confidence. And so that's why the course is so big and broad and strong. And so, so I went at it from that attitude. I'm building a foundation under a house. This house has to withstand... Uh, you know, cannon fire, you know? So, so I have the 44 week, 44 session practitioner's career course, and it's all on video. There's three videos each session, all about 45 minutes. And this isn't me humming and hawing and talking like I am now. It's not off the cuff. Everything is scripted. Every week, every session was over 20,000 words scripted and performed with a teleprompter. So there's no uhs and repeats and coming back and saying it again. Mm -mm. No, this is solid information for 44 weeks, you know, to build practitioners who are strong and able, just as I am, to change people's lives and withstand ridicule. So, I mean, that's really the evolution of my confidence. I believed in it, but I was a afraid for the first few years of repercussion. And, oh, I was going to say, I thought, it would be religious people, you know, the Catholics, the staunch religious people, that they would really rip me a new one, right? You know what? They were good. It was the New Age people. Yeah, because New Age people would come and out and say, I've been studying this work for 25 years and I never heard of that. I don't believe in this. It's like, 
oh, they're so invested in the, the self-work that they didn't realize that even the channel Seth changed its tune. Up until 1990, up until the grand change of the dimension from surrender, conflict and surrender to harmony and empowerment, that 12 years from 1990 to 2002, after that, the channel Seth was now contradicting channel it gave in 1980, right? Because what happened in that 12-year period was humanity's on a need-to-know basis. And spirit cannot divulge information that is beyond humanity's level of need to know. And so all the channels that came before, they were to a certain height and they stopped. And they wouldn't, just wouldn't divulge more. And then after the change, humanity's need to know rose. We were given a higher degree of intel. And now there's a flood of more information coming to everyone, right? And so... It's fascinating that, you know, like, as I embarked on this, I literally started this in 1990, right? This morph, this metamorphosis, I didn't get, I didn't get the full impact and congealed until 94. But in the 90s, that was during the transition. And so my need to know, my ability to know more went up as I was channeling, you know? So, so it's fascinating that, you know, this all tunes into the confidence piece that that I felt like the world wouldn't accept me. Well, you know, as it was in the 90s, the world was not ready. But as things grew, so did the world's waking. You know, when you remember the 90s, we had psychic television. We had psychic television. Remember every channel there was... Romania back then, so I don't remember that. I was uh, fairly young. Well, but yeah, in the 1990s, the people who are viewers will remember the 1990s. On every channel, almost there was people saying, "Call our psychics, 3.99 a minute," right? Every channel during the 90s, as the awakening was exploding, the awakening changed the world. Within two years of this transition, the fall of the Berlin Wall, the fall of communist Russia. You know who thought? We woke up one morning and said, were they even talking about taking the wall down? So, so, so it was like transition time, right? And so I was in the middle of this transition, getting this information. And, and as I processed through, I was growing confidence and the people around me were dynamically changing. People who thought that, that psychic stuff was bull, they didn't believe it. They moved up and they were going, hmm, maybe there's something to this. Right. And people who who were maybe there's something to this were now going, hey, I think I have some psychic ability. And people who were already psychic, they moved up and they got really good at it. Everything grew in the 90s to the awakening consciousness. What it was doing was opening the window more to spirit. We're getting more enlightenment from spirit through after 1990, after 2002. We we, we have far more. You know, I'll tell you, you hear indigo babies came because of this transition. Within two years of transition, we're all talking about indigo babies. There's books written about indigo babies. These are babies literally being born with an indigo color aura never before it was yellow. So it moved up from the solar plexus right up to the throat, right? So, So basically, people born after the transition are pre-configured for the new millennium. Think about that. Mm. My grandson, okay, my mother... And my mother-in-law died both within a week, one on one weekend, one the next weekend. My, my grandson came up to my daughter at the kitchen table where she was sitting sobbing 
and he put his hand on her heart chakra and looked in her face and said, Mommy, five years old, Mommy, it's okay. Grandmas are going to come back as other people. There is less barrier to spirit in the new babies. And right now, all we have to do is hold the torch until they finish university, get some work experience and get jobs in, in governing and the world changes in a generation. You think about that. Awesome. You think about that. The world is not going to be as we know it. Think about that, right? <laughs> so because the new babies are enlightened, more connected to spirit and will operate differently. Now, right now, all of our leaders are from the old energy, conflict and surrender, war after war, you know, confrontation after confrontation. But, you know, once they're gone, this is a whole different world in one generation. Powerful stuff, Richard. Wow. It's enough to look at the younger generations and see that they are not drawn by the same things that their parents, grandparents were drawn to. They don't want to chase the American dream or whatever dream they, their parents were going after. They don't want to put up with what's going on in the world, with the divide, with the separation, with the conflict, like you said, right? With none of that. And we see it in every part of the world, really, with the younger generations. Absolutely, because the indigo babies are growing up. And there was evolution. As that decade went on, there was crystal babies. There, the people talking about that there's difference. But this is the awakening of humanity to a different way of being human on this planet. A stepping stone to walking the world, knowing fully your own soul and its power. Now, that would be something. I can't even envision that, to be honest, but yeah, just from... I can tell you I can tell you what it looks like. I saw visions in channel. I can tell you what it looks like. There's no more war, there's no more fighting, there's no more crime. I mean, what would you have to do crime for? If all you had to do was concentrate and change the molecules of air into food. What's the purpose of beating somebody up the, over the head with with for what? We won't need. Everybody's worried about the worried about the currency system, about finances system. This is old guard. It's on its way out. And that's pretty apparent from everything that we're seeing in the world, that's for sure. Yeah, so that's my opening gambit. That's my <laughs> overview. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. Wow, beautiful. And I'm looking here at the outline that you and I talked about to see if we missed anything. I mean, of course, we haven't even touched on a, on a few things like <laughs> epigenetics, right? And cellular biology, we haven't got into that. Is there a path you want to go down on next? Is that, uh, sure. I mean, let's dig a little deeper into these things because... I mean, I've given the overview of the fact that everything has purpose. Yes. And finding the purpose is the path to solving illness. And I talked a little bit about the foundation of spiritual purpose in humanity, the reason humanity is here. We covered that. We didn't get too far into talking about what karmic DNA is all about. But I can tell you that, like I was talking about your karmic DNA as an example, and basically, bing, bing, bing. I mean, it's all there, and it's you. See, you feel the truth, and this was done with mathematics, right? So you know, anybody could go to my website, uh, karmicdna.com, and there's a chart on the first page where you put your name and your birthday and your email, and it will bring up your chart, a sampler of what's in you. You you see the whole chart but it'll talk two more pages that gives a little brief explanation about the top three influences. And I mean, believe me, that's mild compared to what I can tell. I could talk about you, Constantine. I could talk about your karmic team, your life purpose and all of its tools, all of its gifts, all of its challenges. I could talk about you for over two hours and not be redundant. 
So this little write-up is just a sample of a hint of what those top three influences are and what they are. So it doesn't really, I mean, it's not meant to teach people how to be. That they come to me for, you know, that we delve into in weekly sessions because there's too much. You know, I tell people stuff and they can't remember it week to week. So we have a little bit of repetition to to really teach them about themselves, right? And But the biggest powerful thing is it shows me all of the things that will stress you, specifically you, no one else, all of the kinds of things that stress you in your life. And then we have the purpose of health, right? As a, as a spiritual guidance, right? And so this is impacting the health. As I said earlier, stress is not just exacerbating illness. It is causing illness. I don't care who you are or what you got. It caused, it was caused by stress and figuring out which stress it is very important to your cure. And so when we're talking about biosymbology, I tell you, biosymbology is is written in such a way as that there's a, a medical write-up and then there's a biosymbology write-up on the same page. If it's talking about if it's talking about the heart, it talks about what medicine knows about the heart, how it functions, why it does this and that and the other thing. And then it biosymbology talks about the meaning of what the heart's doing and how it's doing it and why it's doing it. And you can actually, if you read them both one after the other, you can actually look at it and go, this is amazing. This is tied right into medical science. Biosymbology, it's not just, you know, oh, this means that and that means this. And it's this is showing you for real that this is what you this is what the heart means. And when it's not working properly, this is what it means. This is, you know, and that you start going, okay, well, that what kind of stress would that be? And there we have it. A profound dive into the world of healing with purpose and the magnificent tapestry of bioenergy therapy, biosymbiology, and karmic DNA. But hold on, this is just the beginning. In the next part, we delve deeper into karmic DNA, epigenetics, and the tantalizing secrets that lie therein. Plus, we'll get a glimpse of Richard's monumental work that took two decades to craft. Believe me, you won't want to miss this. And if that's not enough, we'll be rounding off this series with a focused exploration on how to read and understand our health through the lens of biosymbiology. Stay with us as we continue this incredible journey. And remember, every struggle has a purpose. Thank you so much for joining us on this exploration of personal transformation. Your presence and engagement are at the heart of what we do, and I sincerely appreciate you, your time and thirst for knowledge, inspiration, and empowerment. Please consider showing your support by hitting like, subscribe, leaving a comment, or writing a review. Your engagement not only fuels our mission, but also helps others discover these insights. For more daily guidance on personal transformation across the mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical realms, be sure to visit our website at unleashthyself.com. You can also find us on Instagram at unleashthyselftoday, TikTok and YouTube at unleashthyself, and there we post daily content designed to inspire and empower you on your journey. If you have any specific thoughts, questions, or feedback, I truly value your input. Or if you'd like to have a conversation with me, or work with me, please feel free to email me directly at constantine at I would love to hear from you. 
Together, we're building a community united in authenticity and purpose. Once again, thank you for being a part of this movement. Until next time, continue to embrace your true self and live a life on purpose, with purpose. See you in the next episode.